0: Mr. Connor is a registered representative and managing principal with Connor Wealth Management. Securities offered through Commonwealth Financial Network, member FINRA, SIPIC. Opinions expressed on this show are strictly those of the host, its guests, and callers, and not those of WLVL, its management, staff, or sponsors. Nothing contained in this program should be construed as a recommendation to buy or sell a security, and if applicable, only after the prospectus has been read and understood by the customer. These decisions can only be made after consideration of an investor's investment objective and the investment suitability (laughs)
1: oh boy hey good morning everybody today is friday august 4th you are listening to ask the pro here on wlvl 1340 am and wlvl.com and we are have in studio for our ask the pro guest this morning mr eric connor from connor wealth management he is the ceo The boss, man. He is the man running all things financial. And uh, we're going to have a great show talking about how you're going to have a financial future that's going to benefit you in your retirement and later on in life. Maybe uh, your children's lives. You just never know. And he's a local guy. He's located right here at 5860 Snyder Drive here in Lockport. And if you would like to have a consultation in his office, you can call him at 439 -439 -439 -439 -439 -439 -439 -439 -439 -439 -439 -439 -439 -439 -439 -439 -439 -439 -439 -439 -439 -439 -439 -439 -439 -439 -439 -439 -439 -439 -439 -439 -439 -439 -439 -439 -439 -439 -439 -439 -439 -439 -439 -439 -439 -439 -439 -439 -439 -439 -439 -439 -439 -439 -439 -439 -439 -439 -439 -439 -439 -439 -439 -439 -439 -439 -439 -439 -439 -439 -439 -439 -439 -439 -439 -439 -439 -439 -439 -439 -439 -439 -439 -439 -439 -439 -439 -439 -439 -439 -439 -439 -439 -439 -439 -439 -439 -439 -439 -439 -439 one one four three but in the meantime if you would like to join us in our conversation here on the radio we would love 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 to have you call and uh pose your questions comments thoughts or concerns to him because he pretty much has the answer to any question you might ever want to ask isn't that right mr Connery good morning wow that is that is
2: a really really bold proclamation <laughs> <laughs> i have faith in you eric <laughs> Yeah. Meanwhile, uh, the show's going on the air, and I all of a sudden realize I don't have any headphones. <laughs> and I am like, oh, man, there is no time for help here. And you're shining a light for me, trying to direct me where the headphones are. And I'm like, oh. Good yes, I, I have a
1: little mini mag flashlight that is uh, really bright. And I'm trying to get his attention shining. and uh, But all is well that ends well. You found the headphones.
2: Yeah, and, uh, I, I think that's a sign I'm I'm a little too um, comfortable in here, right? There's no nervousness about the show. Like, right. I'm just here with the computer. I got, I'm, got a pen in my hand, and all of a sudden I realize, like, there's no headphones on my head. <laughs> that is correct.
1: <laughs> and you know why there's no headphones on your head? Because I stole oh, – I didn't steal. I appropriated the other set of headphones to use in this studio because my headphones – at the Niagara County Fair with my comrades oh. unit for this radio station, which I, of course, forgot yesterday. Had to send the lovely Mrs. Eric back to the radio station to get my headphones so that I could do the live remote. She got back just in the nick of time, plopped the headphones on, went on the air, and away we went. Uh, glitch free. And that's how we're going to do the rest of this program this morning is going to be glitch free. So, Well, we can hope. I have faith. So... <laughs> <laughs> just, just out of the blue, just for something fun, what is it with Tom Brady and owning English soccer teams or whatever the heck it is? He, what's up with that guy?
2: I don't, I don't understand um, this massive interest in owning bits of uh, American athletes buying bits and pieces of the soccer teams. That- Brady, Brady, notwithstanding, but like. Uh, Russell Westbrook is involved. He's a basketball player. He's involved through the San Francisco 49ers having a private equity group, and they're involved in buying a team over there. And LeBron James is involved through the Boston Red Sox, um, ownership group, which I think is Penske something or other. Yeah, I don't understand it either. I mean, is there, obviously, soccer is huge. Uh, I just don't get why there's always this. This, uh, oh, these ownership changes, you know, an NFL team's worth billions of dollars, but they don't go changing pieces of ownership all the time. But the soccer teams do constantly. And in Brady's case, I don't know, he, <laughs> he lost a bunch of money in cryptocurrency, so maybe he's trying to make oh. it back on football, uh, you know, uh, uh, worldwide football, you know, soccer. So, Uh, I, I don't, I don't know. Maybe it's his post-divorce, uh, uh, masculine purchase, right? Instead of a motorcycle, maybe he's like, I'm going to go buy part of a soccer club or maybe he just really likes Ted Lasso. I don't know. Hmm. It sounds kind of creepy. Anyway, look at it. But,
1: uh, and, and, and it also falls under in my little world anyways, it falls under the who gives a hoot category if these guys go buy a little piece of a foreign soccer team, I don't care.
2: Yeah, it's not like he's in charge. No. He's, right? He's no. For, for him, he's throwing a few million, right? Like, you know, like you and I do all the time. We throw a few million around.
1: Yeah, sure. Easy and, peasy.
2: And he's going to own some fractional piece of the uh, of this club and, you know, but he's not there day-to-day. He's not picking players. He's not drafting. He's not trading. You know, yeah. It's It's just like If we bought a few shares of Pepsi or Coca-Cola, right? They're not, the CEO is not calling us for our opinion. I mean, they may be called Tom Brady to show up for selling more tickets, but they're not asking his opinion if they should trade for Neymar or something. Right. Yeah. It's just photo ops for him. And just for the record, Neymar is an actual soccer player who's famous, just not in America for the most part glad you qualified that because I have no idea what you're talking about. Right. Someone might have thought I was having a stroke or something and just said Neymar. And they'd be like, that guy can't pronounce words. Uh, that's an actual, uh, I think he's Brazilian, but he plays in uh, Spain, if I'm keeping track of those things correctly.
1: Could have been the name of an English candy bar for all I know.
2: Correct. Yeah. 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 Oh, that would be a great game for you and John to play on. Uh, Trivia teaser? Yeah. 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 Like, is this the name of a athlete or is it the name of a A candy candy bar bar.
1: (laughs) (laughs) don't put any ideas in anybody's heads we are easily uh... (laughs) no
2: that's perfect i'll put the idea out there and then i won't have to be involved that's great
1: (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah thanks a lot i really appreciate that you're all hearts that's all i can say all right so let's maybe maybe a little meat and potatoes here um eric uh, the Dow was up, what, 173 points last I looked?
2: Yeah, we're up. Uh, we had a jobs report um, right now. Dow's up about 90. NASDAQ's up about 40. You know, we had a little rough rough couple of days. Uh, not anything to get excited about, but we had a couple down days. And then today's the beginning of the month for uh, first Friday, so we have a jobs report. And I'll say... Modest numbers, right? We um, currently have a report showing that we gained 187,000 jobs. It's a little less than expectations. Um, but the prior jobs report was incredibly above expectations. So, you know, like I always sort of say, oh, like I talk about it all the time, right? If you're going to get that little extra pop, well then the next time's probably gonna be a little bit less than you were sort of expecting. Right. And then they go and they do revisions and when it's all said and done three months later you go, All right, yeah, yeah. It, now, we had growth and, and and we're headed in the right direction in that respect. Um it wasn't weakness and and uh because we had so many jobs that showed up the month prior, I'm not surprised that we came in a little under the two hundred thousand job figure. Well, what the market's seeing in uh, sort of the um, quick reaction is they love the idea of having the growth but not having a lot of inflationary pressure, right? Not okay. having three hundred, three hundred fifty thousand 350,000 jobs where it would point to more and more interest rate increases, which we talk about a lot on the show because that's what the Fed's trying to do to combat inflation. And so they'd really like – to have the interest rate increases they've already put out there. They would like it to cool the job market a little bit, which would relieve inflation pressure in the economy. And then they could uh, declare victory and say, we did it. We lowered inflation and we didn't push the economy into a recession, which, you know, we're eventually going to go into a recession. It's just they don't come around every day. So someday it'll happen. Right, right. And... Can they take credit for something they may or may not
1: have actually had anything to do with?
2: No, that's, I mean, and and that's that's exactly kind of how I presented here, right? Yeah. Like it's They they have very blunt instruments, right? They right. they either try to drain some money out of the economy by raising rates with the idea that it'll slow some of the economic activity, or at the opposite end of an economic cycle when we're in a recession and and businesses look like they don't want to – Expand they'll push some money into the economy by lowering rates with the idea of if we make it if we make money cheaper for businesses they'll expand well you know that's not exactly how things go. The fact is people retire and a business will try to rehire to fill that position they 'll try to hire to fill that position, or if they have a lot of orders they're going to expand and they don't really care. If interest rates are at three percent or four percent or four and a half, if they think they can make money by expanding, they're gonna expand. That's just how it goes, right? And if you think times are bad for your business, it doesn't matter what the business is. Could be a restaurant, could be a manufacturing company. If times are bad, you're gonna cut back on your expand uh, your expenditures, right? If if you were thinking of an expansion but business dried up, well then you'll cut it off. And it doesn't again, it doesn't matter what interest rates are so it 's I use the term a blunt instrument it it is it 's mildly effective, but it is not surgical in its precision, so yeah, you know You're trimming your fingernails with a sledgehammer <laughs> that 's one way to put it too yeah 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 uh, you know they they like to think it 's very much a science uh and it, and it really isn 't right and and when they set interest rate policy. It might make business owners in New York make a certain decision, but the same business owner, uh, an equivalent business owner down in Texas isn't making that same decision. So yeah, you don't always get the same response. So in terms of the stock market and behavior and what the bond market tries to respond to is, they're always guessing at what those directions are, right? So for right now, the stock market's going to respond and say, all right, well... This was job creation a little lower than expected. That probably means less pressure to keep raising rates. We like that. Therefore, we're going to have stocks be a little higher in the moment. Mm-hmm. And like I joke around at times, you know, it's 10 a.m. and the market's up a little. Does it mean it's up at four o'clock when it closes? It does not. Right. <laughs> so, so, you know, we, we like to make, uh, uh, long-term decisions and not have it be based on the last piece of data that comes in front of our eyes Beca- right. because, um, we're not trying to trade within the day like that. That's for other people. You know, some people at home love to try to day trade. That is not how, uh, we try to create uh, long-term wealth for clients. We want to make good decisions that, uh, a phrase I use a lot is it has a long runway, right? When we're when we're buying something, we'd like to own it for quite a long time, right? A year, two years, three years, depending on what what the decision's about. And the shorter term things are are sometimes just related to parking some cash in a money market or in a CD, and maybe it's got a maturity of six months because we just want to cool our heels and make a little interest, and uh, we'll refocus. Once that matures, it sounds reasonable. Yeah, yeah. Long,
1: long-term goals. Yes. This is just, uh, yeah, agreed. It's, uh, and, and you've said many, many times. You know, some guys will just jump off by the seat of their pants. You know, well, my stock is down, so I'm going to sell it all. So you guarantee that you lose all your money. Instead of just sitting around, and wait for a few minutes, it'll come back, and uh, you won't lose all of your money. Hopefully,
2: if you've got a diversified setup it, you know, we've never had an instance where the entire market just goes to zero, right? <laughs> right. So, you know, if you have an individual holding and you make a bad bet and it, go, let's say the stock goes bankrupt and goes to zero, your money is gone. But if you've made good diversified choices and you've got the right mix, uh, you know, we've never had those outcomes. So, you know, declines in the market, whether they're sort of short-term declines or a little bit bigger uh, in duration the way last year was, it doesn't mean you have to react to every up and down in the market. Yeah. So you want to keep that focus. That's why you have the game plan of here's what I'm trying to do for the next three years or five years. I like this kind of mix, whether it's 60% equity and 40% bond or whatever it might be. And your plan is that you're going to ride that mix through both the up market time and the down market time. Right. And you're not trying to say, well, I think right now we're all, you know, we're going to go to 100% growth and put the pedal to the metal. And later I'm gonna have this magical crystal ball that'll tell me now's the time to get conservative because it looks like the market's overheated and it's gonna go down. That's very, very, very hard to try to keep doing over and over and over. You don't get that behavior out of mutual fund managers and most investment advisors because it's almost impossible to have it happen. You can get lucky, you can, you know, you can make a couple decisions and have them both turn out right, but you know, I could go to the casino and play blackjack for ten minutes and and make a couple of decisions where the cards come up my way, but over time, I'm going to lose money.
1: Right. It's that's just not how it's designed. Well, ladies and gentlemen, for those of you who are just joining us, you are listening to Mr. Eric Connor from Connor Wealth Management here on WLVL 1340 AM, and we welcome your questions. We welcome your comments. All you have to do is give us a call at four three three one four three three that's four three three fourteen thirty three tell us about your experience ask your questions he'll have an answer for you and it's going to be an honest answer even if we don't like it he will have a good honest answer for you and of course Connor Wealth management is located at 5860 snyder drive here in the city of lockport so he's a local professional taking care of local people so um let Let's. It's uh, uh, kind of an elephant in the room. Um, America's credit rating just got cut. There, those people say that they do not have
2: confidence in the direction that we are headed. What, what are your thoughts on that? It's sort of an interesting uh, report that they put out, and I think that was Fitch Ratings. If I uh, can keep news in my head, from, it was from two days ago. Yes, it was. Thank you. Yeah. So Standard and Poor's downgraded us what, 10 or 11 years ago, I think it was from AAA to AA and here Fitch is doing it this week on a, you know, a random Tuesday or whatever it was. And they bring up in their report about how over the last 20 years (laughs) we've, we've had an expenditure problem. So, okay. So they were watching us for 20 years and they decided on like Tuesday, August the 1st, 2023 that they were going to choose to downgrade us and you go
1: they just now figured it out
2: yeah right like huh. they weren't sure i guess they weren't sure after 18 years or 19 years you know but after right. 20 years now they'd had enough data to say maybe we've acquired a lot of debt and maybe it's a bit problematic <laughs>
1: It might be a pattern established <laughs> yeah, here. Yeah. Let's see. Can we spend more than we make consistently for more than twenty years? Right. Right. Yeah. So
2: you know, it's one of those things, it makes headlines. It, it does. might make um some slight adjustment in someone's uh bond portfolio or something like that in a mutual fund or a pension fund. But the fact is when you when you sort of just think of it from a a, a common sense standpoint, we are the largest bond market in the world, meaning we've issued more debt than any other country. We also have the largest economy in the world. So those two things probably go hand in hand. And uh, I have mentioned in the past, most every industrialized nation... Right. So the fully functioning nations that are are um, real economies, real uh, labor laws and and have a mix of manufacturing and services and uh, all that. Um, basically, every one of those countries op- operates at an ongoing deficit. And so it's not. Like, we are the only goofy country that has this indebtedness problem. So, you know, it comes down to would you rather worry about our downgrade uh, from Fitch in August of 2023? Um, Or, you know, do you feel more comfortable owning debt from, say, Italy? (laughs) or Spain or Japan, right? So I don't worry about it. Uh, I will acknowledge we we have a massive debt problem, but I I do not think it's unique to the United States. And so in terms of is it a big deal, does it mean anything, is it going to affect our trade relationships or... Does it mean we're magically going to pay more on our debt? It does not. It does not. So, if they want to, if they want to reevaluate the the rating on our debt, go ahead, Fitch. That's fine. You know, you only took ten or eleven more years than S and P did to reach the same conclusion. So, congr- congrats on your in depth analysis. It took an extra decade, um, and it, you know. On, on the other side, I'll say it would be fantastic if the government, through Congress, because at the end of the day, it's Congress who passes budgets and spending bills. It is not a president, so don't don't blame Biden today. Don't blame Trump three years ago. Don't blame Obama before him. It is always Congress's fault for the spending. And through both Republican and Democratic uh majorities over the decades they spend too much money and you know you can argue that it's either that they are not bringing in enough tax revenue which i don't know a lot of people don't really want to pay more in tax or you can argue that they spend too much and then you say okay well what are you going to cut back on the spending you know where is it going to come from national defense uh social security medicare medicaid those are the biggies in the budget defense. What are you willing to give up? Right. What do you want to give up? And you know, the, a lot of politicians will kind of come out and throw things around like, we're going to cut government waste. We're going to, we're going to cut these discretionary programs. Well, let me tell you, if you look at the math on that, they never add up to enough money. Right. In terms of what the deficit is. Right. It's, it's like pointing at one dandelion in your yard Mm -hmm. and you got an acre of, of grass out there and you point at one dandelion, you go, you know, if it wasn't for that dandelion, everything would be great out in that yard. Like, no, you got, (laughs) got 5,000 other kinds of weeds out there. Don't point at the one dandelion. So does the government waste money? Heck yeah. Absolutely. Does it spend money on some goofy things? Absolutely. But when your deficit is a couple billion dollars a month or whatever on earth it is, I, I, don't even have it off the top. Right. Maybe it's a trillion a year, a trillion and a half a year. Mm-hmm. Um, it does not come down to a little bit of wasteful spending. It right. is. It is the major things we spend money on.
1: Right. I, I had read somewhere that if Congress gave up its salary because we pay them too much in a fiscal year, it would be equivalent to twenty-six seconds of the spending that they do in a year if they had given up their yeah. Spending. Literally 26 seconds of suspending that we do all year long.
2: I believe it. And that's the thing, right? Like it's an absolute drop in the ocean when yeah. someone says, you know, why did we give $50,000 to study butterflies or, wh- you know, whatever the example is. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it, it does not move the needle on what the actual deficit is. So, again, as it relates to the idea of bond ratings and whatnot, sure. If we could get back to where we have a very modest deficit, that would be wonderful. If we could ever get to where we pay down some of our debt, that would be wonderful. But what do you want to give up to make that happen? Right, You're either going to give up more tax dollars or you're going to give up some of the expenditures that the government makes. you know that's not really what we're here for, but that's right. that's kind of the situation right. in in regards to it. Now, I will say one interesting way, uh, and this is not uh, trickery. One interesting way to look at the deficit uh, over time, so that you sort of compare eras, right? Because a hundred bucks a hundred years ago was a tremendous large. Sum of money for someone to walk around with, yes. and someone to have one hundred bucks in their pocket today. Even if you are a teenager working at a fast food restaurant, is not that much money to have come across. So, one way to look at the deficit on an annual basis is to see how big is the deficit compared to our ent- our entire gross domestic product as a so a percentage of our GDP. And if you actually look at that rate, we are not horribly out of whack with what we have run historically, where as our economy grows or the whole economy, as the economy has grown, our deficit has expanded with it. But as a percentage of the economy, it's not terribly out of whack. So doesn't make us feel any better when we hear on the news that our, you know, total national debt is $32 trillion or anything like that because it's so much money. How on earth do we ever envision we pay it back? I don't know. Um, but as I mentioned sort of back, back at the beginning of this, most every developed country has a debt problem equal or worse than what we suffer through as well. Japan is much more indebted than we are. China has a debt problem, I think, a little worse than ours. I'm doing that out of memory. Um, and China's the number two economy. Japan, I think, is still number three. So forgive me if I've missed a, a ranking in there and somehow Japan slipped a little lower. Uh, as we know, sort of uh paying a little bit of attention, we know that Europe loves to spend money. And uh, Europe has a level of indebtedness on par with what we're doing in america so europe likes to spend our money yeah (laughs) (laughs) um you know so you've got you've got those various governments operating independently but they all are using the uh, countries in the euro um they operate independently but they share a common currency so there's a lot of information that does exist out there in terms of What's their level of indebtedness? How does it relate to the size of their economy? That sort of thing. Um, so, yeah, I don't think we stand out. I don't think the the rating downgrade is that big a deal. I'd actually just sort of more say, where have you been for the last 10 or 11 years? Because you probably should have downgraded us back then.
1: Right, and that'll mean slightly higher interest rates for the...
2: I would it, say it doesn't it, really. It doesn't I mean, really. The, the market might respond in that manner, but it doesn't have to. Um, a downgrade on a, say, a corporate level, right? Like, say, debt from General Motors. We've got GM in town. I'll use General Motors. Um, if they were to downgrade that debt, what would happen is some people would sell the debt and the price would decline and the yield would go higher, it wouldn't directly affect General Motors today. What it would do is it would affect them the next time they wanted to sell new debt. In a sovereign nation case like this, it does not have that absolute direct effect. It just doesn't have that power. At the end of the day, the government puts out for bid 10-year Debt or 20 year debt or 30 year debt, and people bid on it. And if they're willing to bid a high number so that the rate comes in low, the government's happy to sell it. So it doesn't really matter in that respect. It, it doesn't quite have the relationship you'd, you'd sort of think it might. Right. It. It's at the end of the day, as long as there is confidence in the bidders, meaning banks and investment companies and pension funds. As long as they're willing to bid a high enough number on that coming to market debt, the interest rate can stay really low. And we see that right now, in fact, when we've had an inverted yield curve for months and months and months and months and months. And months we've still, even even after the latest bit of news from uh, the Federal Reserve and uh, deficit numbers and inflation numbers, we have a 10-year that's just a smidge over 4%. I couldn't tell you exactly where it is. Let's say it's 4.1% right now on a 10-year. Um, that's well below what what the short-term interest rates are. You know, we've got CDs that are, uh, say, six-month CDs that are at 5.3% or 5.35%, um, dramatically higher than a 10-year. But we've been in that situation now for... Geez, I don't know. Fifteen months, eighteen months. You know, again, where short-term rates have been higher than long-term, and what that tells you is that on the bids for those longer maturities, there's still a lot of confidence of of where those rates should be, and they haven't fallen off price-wise. If the price comes down, the yield goes up, um, and so you haven't had that that long end of the curve dramatically changed. There's been a lot of movement over the last three years from the worst of the pandemic when everything was at rock bottom. But um, you, we've, we've been sitting here with that inverted curve now for a very long time, which people love to point at is, is a, a, a great tell that a, a recession is coming. Um, you know the joke is well. Yeah, a recession eventually gets here, so it might be. You know, you can't really point to an inverted yield curve and then a recession shows up two years later and go and you go, "See, I told you it was coming." <laughs> like that is a really long runway. You know, yeah, a, a stopped clock is right twice a day That's as well, right? right? So, um, I, I think at this point, if you're if you've only made investment decisions based on the yield curve inverting, and you've had this big tech rally in the market this year, you've probably been in a parked money situation where you're really lagging behind where where your standard asset allocation should be. Meaning, if you would have stuck around in that, if you were going to be 60-40, but you modified it because it went inverted and you went to a bunch of cash... And your equity allocation instead of being at sixty percent is really only say twenty percent you're dramatically lagging behind the market right now um, what you're you're lagging behind what that sixty forty mix should bring you to the to the table so uh i I don't get stuck on an inverted yield curve too much and and it that got to be a really meandering conversation in there but it it it's a good question about the ratings mm-hmm. the downgrade tried to touch on how it affects things in a not not a direct way the again the long end of the yield curve has moved higher but not in a dramatic fashion because of it in any way shape or form we've simply had a little rise as these last couple years have gone by and the 10 year was so darn low during the pandemic that it was never going to stay down there in essence right you were you were down i think maybe at one time it got i want to say the 10-year rate was like one and a quarter or 1.4 at its low something like that um yeah you you're not you're not staying down at that that low. No.
1: all right we're gonna break for station identification real quick here it's a uh, 15 minutes before uh the hour. Listen, uh, oh, we have a call coming in too. You're listening to Mr. Eric Connor from Connor Wealth Management here on WLVL 1340 AM, streaming worldwide at WLVL.com, your home sound station here in Lockport, New York. Let's see what we got here. Good morning, caller. You are on the air with Mr. Eric Connor. What is your question, thought, or comments?
0: Well, I don't know if Eric's uh, taking a look today, but Amazon's up over 10%. I just like them to comment on that. I guess their earnings uh, was very good, and uh, uh, still quite a quite a jump. And I was surprised it jumped so much.
2: Yeah, that's thank you. I w- I was gonna get get to uh, the the big earnings news from last night was both Apple and Amazon. And
0: Apple went down. <laughs>
2: yeah, and so uh, Amazon is uh, it's a little bit of a surprise. And that's why you're getting the response out of it today. So they, they've they been working to cut costs. Their revenue was a, just a smidge higher than uh, expectations. But where they succeeded uh, in a nice way for revenue was that their advertising, which is literally advertising on their own website, which is just fascinating to me because years ago they didn't do it. And now... They're over $10 billion a quarter in advertising oh revenue. And for them, it's almost all profit. Like it's an incredible out-of-nowhere revenue source they've developed. And so they've, the new CEO, Bezos, uh, is not the CEO anymore. Um, the new CEO has been very involved in trying to cut some costs, and he's done okay. And it ended up being that they put out better profit and beat on profit by a figure they have not done in a few years. I think it was three years so it doesn 't mean their highest profit but it means how well they beat expectations and So the market really likes that number I got them i 'm showing them up almost fourteen dollars a share right now. Now put that in context though that last year they did a very they had a very poor stock year and the, I think they hit a low down around 80 bucks a share um, late in the year. maybe in December they were in that 80 dollar range, maybe it was 83 or 85. forgive me I'm again I'm I don't have it in front of me. but here they are after today's gain, they're up above hundred and forty dollars a share. So that's a really good return from the beginning, say, from January 1st until now. But if you've been a holder of the stock, you know, their all-time high, I think, is still 20 or $30 higher than where we're at right now. Um, but it looks like a good comeback for them. Their revenue number is really high. They do like $140 billion a quarter of revenue. Uh, they ship a lot of products. They announced that. They're doing a higher percentage on one-day delivery than they've ever been able to accomplish in the past. And the market likes it, right? They like profits. They like revenue growth. So the market's responding on an update. Now, contrast that with Apple. And Apple had, um, you know, I'll say okay numbers, but they sold fewer iPhones than a year ago their service revenue is doing really well. That's uh, like the app store and some of their other products that are, or some of their other services that are not hardware products. And so they're doing okay there, but you know, that quarter is always the last one before they really show up with a new iPhone. They always do that presentation in September and that's what everyone's waiting for. So uh, Apple has had a really good year. Again, from January 1st until now, they've moved higher an awful lot. I think it's around 45%, um, but it's off a few bucks today just because they didn't blow out the numbers. You know, the, the revenue was about in line. The earnings were about in line, but it's off a few dollars. I think six bucks right now, which on $190 to take it down to about 184 or so. Um, that's not too big a deal, and if you started the year at 135 and you're at 185 or whatever, you're doing, you're feeling pretty good about continuing to own that. So, you know, if, if you've owned Amazon and Apple, uh, you're probably pretty happy. You're happy enough for where those numbers are coming in. If you've owned Amazon for a long time. This probably gives you some confidence that they will right the ship and get back to their all-time highs if they can continue on this cost-cutting and relatively good revenue production, especially, again, out of that advertising uh, business that I think five years ago it didn't exist. And now they're literally doing $40 billion a year of revenue out of it. It's incredible. So...
0: Yeah, Amazon was down, uh, you're right, about uh, a, little, a little above 80, I guess, in uh, December. And so it's gone up about $60, about a 75% gain since that time. So,
2: Yeah, yeah. And so they're, they are still a little above their all-time highs. But, um, you know, I, I think from when you think of what their perfor- their corporate performance, take away the stock for a second, if you look at what the corporate performance is, I think they've been making a lot of good decisions. The challenge for them has always been, can they get enough profit to the bottom line to get that stock to keep moving higher? Right now, they've done a good job. They've, they've again, with the cost cutting, they've been able to show more profit and that's what's made the stock go higher. Now it's just a question of, can they keep moving in that right direction? Because they certainly have enough revenue Right? 140 billion of revenue in the June quarter and knowing that they do even more than that later in the year when you get into holiday shopping. So they just need to find a way to, to get those expenses lower to show even more profit growth. Um, and then you'd have, then you'd have the stock continue to move higher from here.
0: Yeah, I uh, I was fortunate. I bought uh, a number of shares in uh, twenty seventeen for a little under fifty dollars, and then uh, last year I bought some more. It was uh, just under a hundred, and I thought, well, it's still a good buy, so then I bought some more. So uh, I I've been fortunate.
2: Yeah, well, those are good decisions, and and it's the opportunistic part, right? Like for a couple of years during the pandemic, they were. There's a phrase that we use called price to perfection, and so they had gotten. They've gotten up there. Uh, Warren Buffett likes to use a phrase where he says they're up on stilts. Uh, and, and so they were priced to perfection. And, and so when that news of last year kind of came around, that's what created that, that chance for you to get in at a much lower price, right? They were at that, if you were below a hundred and I think their high had been something like 160 or 170, um, you know, you're buying them off probably 40 or 45 percent at that point that's that's yeah, and I looked that's at it, I, mean, I
0: that's still a lot of money a hundred dollars a share but i said gee whiz from where they were and you know amazon's a good company so you take advantage of it
2: there you go well you got rewarded that's fantastic yeah.
0: well that's... thank you for your comments
2: all right thanks, thanks for the call yep yeah bye all right what a nice call that's great so
1: people pay attention you know the people that pay attention pay attention
2: yeah and it and it Listen, it reinforces one of those things, uh, one of those little tidbits uh, uh, or or phrases that I've used at times when I say there are times that stocks go down and it's just the market, right? It's just a negative market or bad news cycle or whatever, and those instances often create a nice risk-reward opportunity. There's the other... Side of stock declines which are bad news bad news bad news bad news and someone talks himself into buying the stock thinking I'm gonna find the low right and I'll just use say um, uh, one of the streaming services is called Roku if you look at a chart on Roku they had this absolutely tremendous decline and I'm going to bet that someone said, oh, it's down 30%. I'll buy some. And then it went down another 30%. And then it went down some more from there. Ouch! And so you got to, you know, just because the decline happened doesn't mean it's a good time to buy it. But again, with the caller saying he know he's owned the stock, he feels good about the stock, and i will reiterate it wasn't down on terrible news it wasn't down because suddenly they had lost all kinds of revenue or anything like that they had a little bit of a expenditure problem right their costs were too high they didn't they missed profit estimates on uh, i think it was three straight quarters and so you had a decline and you had the market declining along with it but you know it, Again, the caller said he had bought his first shares somewhere in 2017, so he knew kind of how it behaved. He had confidence in the company itself, and he also has a pretty good um, runway in front of him where he wasn't trying to just buy it and have it go back up in two weeks. He, right. he, he felt like, I'm going to buy some because I feel today's a good, a good area, but that he also had a very long intention of owning it.
1: Right, and he understood the difference in the prices from the first time that he bought it to now. It was a substantial difference in price. Correct, but yet with his experience, seeing, observing the long, big picture, he said, "Okay, even though this is more expensive now, I believe that it's still going to be a, a prudent decision." And sure enough, it was. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's the the, the whole idea of what you're saying here. You right, know,
2: it's not a five minute thing. That's right. He, that's right. He bought those shares, so you know, he says he buys it around a hundred, a little under a hundred. I would make the guess that if it sat there for three months and still didn't go up, he wouldn't have his hair on fire at all. He would have just been like, All right, well, I just gotta give it more time. Right. And as it turns out, you know, tech stocks moved a little bit fast this year, so it mm-hmm. it started paying off fairly rapidly for him, which right. you know, then he probably feels better about himself too. But but again, it, it was more. You can tell that that was more of a long term purchase, and so you don't need that immediate gratification. Uh, it but it did work out really nicely for him so far. So that's great. That's great. Uh, agreed.
1: So we got about two minutes left. Do some shameless self promotion, will you? Let's get some people. <laughs> John and I have been doing shameless self-promotions all week, so we just thought we'd share that with you. There you them. go. Yeah, you know, kind of Wealth
2: Management. Well, um, you can give me a call at the office four three nine one one four three. I'm over on Snyder Drive fifty eight sixty Snyder Drive, South Lockport Medical Campus. But I am not on the medicine side. I am. I am just on the money side and um you know i 'd be happy to to give a second view of what you have going on uh, i will i 'll sort of give the the idea out there we 've had a lot of success this year repositioning money where people had accumulated money in their bank accounts during the pandemic for one reason or another and what 's happened is we 've had a lot of discussion with new clients and existing clients bringing in those dollars that have been sitting in the bank, not getting a lot of interest, and we've been able to do some good positioning, getting you either liquid uh, asset, meaning it's available without any uh, time handcuffs, or doing something on a CD basis uh, where we can get you a pretty good return. Um, But if you want me to take a look at that, what you have going on, give me a call 439-1143. Would, would be happy to give a, you know, a little portfolio review just to look, see over what you have going on. You might have uh, a question because you're looking at retiring relatively soon, or it might be that you're in retirement. And you just want to make sure you got your ducks in a row now that you're sitting there at home without the paycheck coming in and you just want a, a second set of eyes. I'd be happy to do that.
1: All right, that was nicely said, sir. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. You have been listening to Eric Connor from Connor Wealth Management, uh, trusted a trusted name in finance for many, many years. He's been coming here to the radio station for. How many years now? Six and a half. All right, so
2: he's a long time. Yeah, that's great, man. Longer than I've been here, that's for sure. (laughs) You'd think I could get here faster than five minutes before the show, but five? Haven't figured it out yet. That's pretty generous. (laughs) 80 80 seconds. Yeah, we'll
1: see you in a couple of weeks, and uh, we certainly look forward to it. Thank you so much, Mr. Connor. And that is the end of our Ask the Pro show for August 4th, 2023.